This is Transistor.fm. This podcast is brought to you by HoneyBadger.io. They're wild about DevOps monitoring, exception monitoring, uptime monitoring, check-in monitoring. If you have a web app or you're building one, you need it. Head over to HoneyBadger.io and start a free trial. Hey everyone, welcome to Build Your SaaS. This is the behind the scenes story of building a web app in 2019. I'm John Buda, a software engineer. And I'm Justin Jackson, and my middle name is Ian. Just thought, just thought I'd mix it up again. <laughs> What's your My middle name, Michael? Michael, yeah, we've I think we've covered this before. Yeah, probably. Ian. Ian, really, really short. I wish my middle name was Dusty. That'd be a good one. Because then I could just switch. I, I wouldn't have to fight all these NFL players for their for, yeah. for good uh, you know domain names and Twitter handles. I could just be Dusty Jackson. I knew a Dusty growing up. Really? Yeah. Was he super awesome? Did he did he end up flying airplanes, uh, bush bush planes for a living? No, he was he was incredibly athletic though. Like in every his entire family, they also had a really cool trampoline at their house. What was cool about it? It was just a trampoline. Oh. <laughs> I don't know. It was big. It was the only only friend I knew that had a trampoline. Oh, yeah. I mean, I can... Re- yeah. Like back in the day, it was, you know, the, the whatever, late 80s trampolines. They had no safety nets. Oh. It was just like, just... <laughs> just give you, her. You fly off that thing if you want. <laughs> there, were some in, there were some injuries yeah. of friends on that thing. Like it, it came with some padding at first, but that eventually got thrown away. Yeah, there's like padding on the edges, but then you could so easily get your legs just jammed in the, between the springs like on the side. <laughs> oh. Pretty fun though. How, how far did you get in your trampoline acrobatics? Could you do a backflip? No, I could do like a front flip. Yeah. But, but barely. I think over time as I got older, I got more afraid. Oh yeah, for sure. And I just, I couldn't. Eventually, you can't do it anymore. I'm having so much fun watching my 11-year-old on the trampoline because he's just crazy. And and I'm just living vicariously through, <laughs> through him. <laughs> he just figured out backflips today, this morning. Nice. Nice. Well, welcome back to the show. Yeah, I got a, I got a new microphone in front of me. So oh, yeah. if I sound different or better, I guess uh, let me know. Yeah. Folks, uh, just listen to this episode. Pause. Go back to the previous episode. Better or worse? I think I still need to do a comparison recording, but... Yeah, no, you sound nice and crisp. I like it. Good. Yeah, I, I like it. And you got a pop filter. So you went with the Samson? Yeah. The Samson... Yeah, what is this thing called? The Samson... Q2U. Q2U. Yeah. Not Samsung. Samson. Samson, yeah. And uh, you just ordered it on... Amazon. Okay. And what was the total what was the total bill for the the pop filter and the microphone? Let's see. I ordered some stuff that I'm not using yet as well. Okay. So pop filter pop filter and the mic was probably sixty bucks. Sixty five. Wow. Yeah. That's incredible. I know. Yeah, it's really cheap. And it was it's such a highly recommended microphone for that price mm-hmm. i feel like there's a fine line between quality levels mm-hmm. but a huge price disparity yes like the next step up is like 400 dollars. 
Yes. Yeah. For how much of a difference? I mean, I'm not in a professional recording studio, so it probably doesn't matter. The nice thing about these mics is that as long as you're close to them and as long as they have kind of sufficient power, they're great uh, in most situations. Yeah. So I'm not, I'm just plugged into USB to my computer. I'm not using um, another mixer or preamp, but it does have the option to use the XLR connection if you want. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah, we'll put that in the show notes again. I think for folks that don't have a microphone that have started a podcast, just 60 bucks, order yourself a pop filter and uh, and uh, a microphone, either the Samson or the ATR, and man, it really helps. I actually have a question for you to start things off. It's been, well, actually, I was just writing out the timeline here. Um, actually, tell me if this timeline is rings true to you, because as we've gone along, I felt like I want to record our history a bit. Yeah. I actually want to put this on an about page on our site or something. So I said we we signed our partnership docs February 2018. Does that sound right? I think so. And when did you when did you write your first line of code for what became Transistor? Um let me look that up right now. I'm in GitHub right now and I have a first commit and it says it's from three years ago. Oh, <laughs> well, there you go. That does not, that doesn't, it says March 8th, 2017. March 8th. Okay. Well, let's just, so I started that pretty, yeah, pretty early. I, I think there was probably not much movement. Yeah. For a while. I don't remember when I registered the domain or when I actually signed up with Stripe Atlas to make it a company. Mm-hmm. I could I can look at that too, but so that's actually really interesting. I think for folks, first line of code, 2017. So yeah, three years ago is not. That's like a an estimate. That's not three years, right? March 2017 is like two two years ish. Two and a two and a half. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, anyway, so first line of code. Then we signed our partnership docs. Uh, we invited our first beta customers in March of 2018. Uh, we also started this podcast then, and then uh, the official launch was August. I said I went full time in April, which isn't like we never had a hard line. I was just kind of like gradually spending more and more time. Right. But April is when we hit 10k MRR, and that's also when we paid ourselves for the first time. And then you went uh, full time in July. So it's been uh, almost two months now, and. Uh, we'll get back to that timeline in a sec, but what? how has it been for you to work independent? I, we've been kind of checking in with you each week. How has it been? And have you experienced any loneliness? Has there been any, like, what's been some of the, the feelings you've had so far? Let's say there's definitely days where I don't talk to many people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I can certainly, there are certain days, yeah, where I just, I sometimes don't physically interact with many people besides like a barista at the coffee shop. Mm-hmm. I think that's something I could probably get better at, you know, setting up some more lunches or coffee meetups in the morning or something. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't say it's particularly lonely. I mean, I'm obviously talking to people throughout the day, but yeah, it's, it's, it can be a bit isolating, certainly. I mean, you normally record the show from home. Yeah, but you're you've been going to that office. Has that helped at all, or is it still not quite there? Yeah, yeah, it helps. I think um, I'm not there every day because certain things just come up during the day. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I'd like to 
get on more of a full-time schedule with that. I mean, I know, you know, we, we both want to have a lot of flexibility throughout the day to kind of do things we need to do and take breaks. But I think there's definitely a benefit to trying to set a schedule to say, Mm -hmm. I'm going to be there Monday through Thursday, uh, you know, for at least six hours. Yeah. And record on Friday. Mm -hmm. Oh, and that's what kind of threw you off today. Right. Because we're recording on a Thursday. Yeah, we moved it today and I was had totally forgot about it. And my phone didn't remind me until 10 minutes before. <laughs> <laughs> but that, but that's clearly a big deal for you in the sense that you like to be kind of locked in. Like you like to know in your subconscious that, okay, I'm going to be at this place doing this kind of work Monday through yeah, Thursday. Yeah, I mean, I, yeah, yeah. I wasn't like today I wasn't really prepared to record. Um, I was kind of prepared to work on, uh, you know, do this feature work that we've been doing. Mm -hmm. So that's, that's where my mind was. And I was like getting ready to dive into that. I had been thinking about what I was going to do and how I was going to do it. Uh, so now, you know, after this, I have to get back to that, but yeah, this is a big context shift. Yeah. Yeah. And has there been anything that's been helpful for you trying to navigate this kind of, this this switch from being in an office with a bunch of people and a lot of activity to this new life has there anything that's worked so far that has been helpful yeah i think that i like i mentioned a few minutes ago i think the days that i have scheduled either a coffee in the morning with someone who's in a similar spot mm-hmm. or something like let's meet up after work for a drink or dinner with a group of people who are also working on their own. Like that really, mm, yeah. I think that, that part of it can replace going to an office for the most part. No, because you're still, you're still getting those interactions. You're still, you can talk about some work stuff, but usually it's just, you end up talking about non-work things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's just nice to be with people similar to you. Yeah. Yeah. And they're all, you know, they're all people I know and they're, they're good friends who I've had, who I've done different, things with outside of work a number of times. Um, but a, a lot of, a lot of whom I've worked with in various places. I think some people want to know, how did you find those people? Like, is it just because you're in Chicago and it's a big city or where was there, like, how did those interactions happen? Most of them are several years old. Like one of them is, one of them is, uh, from when I used to do refresh Chicago, which was a meetup group mm. that I used to help run. Uh, one of them was from a guy who is independent and he used to work out of the Cartoons Humanity office when there was more co-working going on. Uh, one of them was actually a co-worker from Cartoons Humanity. Mm-hmm. Or two, of them, two of them were actually. Um, so they're just like, you know, f- acquaintances, friends that I've known in the industry um, throughout the years of being in Chicago. And like, you know, they're not, I wouldn't say we hang out all the time. We're not best friends or anything, but you know, it's uh it's a great group of great group of people who can get together and have a good time and just catch up and, you know, vent a little bit mm-hmm. if they need to, or just discuss what's going on and get some advice. Yeah. I think, yeah, I think that could be really helpful that, that Brian Ray, who's one of our Patreons and one of our customers as well has been tweeting a lot about remote loneliness and, and he's talking not just about you know folks that have gone independent or are working on their own companies, 
Um, but he thinks that loneliness is going to be a big problem that companies need to deal with. Yeah. Well, I think I think it already is in our society. Mm, yeah. I think it's a huge problem. I mean, the, the sense of community, I think, is really, I don't know, I think there's something missing, especially, I mean, maybe it's just the U.S., but I don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, just a sense of community within cities. and Yeah, and this actually brings up this NPR article I read. The headline is, Want to feel happier today? Try talking to a stranger. <laughs> and basically, it's this research, University of British Columbia. Oh, that's nice. So I think we've all had those days where we get on the subway, we don't want to look at or talk to anybody. We get to the coffee shop and we just kind of, you know, don't look at them in the eye, give them our money, get our coffee. We, you know, uh, you know, uh, somebody s- smiles at you on the street and you just kind of ignore them. But what they found is that those seemingly trivial encounters, I'm reading now, with minor characters in our lives, the random guy at the dog park or the barista at our local coffee shop, can affect feelings of happiness and human connection on a typical day. And so the point is, is that when, when, we, when we ignore these little encounters throughout our day, that it actually has a really negative effect on us emotionally. Hmm. And reading this for me... Obviously, as an extrovert, this is this is um, maybe is a little bit easier. But I know I have those grumpy days where I'm just like, "Fuck the world," you know. Sorry, I, yeah. now I'm now this is a, a bad episode. Uh, but it's just like, you know, "Fuck you." I don't want to talk to anybody. I don't want to. I just you know shut myself off. Uh, and actually, while I was in New York, I had this all, this other feeling, which was, <laughs> you know, I'm from this little town and I'm in this big city and I'm frightened a lot of the time. But as I was in New York and I just had to ask people for help a lot, I found that the more I interacted with folks, the more uh, my mood changed. Hmm. And these little micro interactions throughout the day actually dramatically improved the way I felt. I felt less stressed. I felt less anxious. I felt more at home. And so when... This article is interesting because it just kind of articulated this like, wow, like this, even just saying, you know, how's your day to your barista or to the cashier at Safeway can have a huge impact on our emotions. Yeah, I can. I mean, I can definitely see that it is kind of an odd thing, especially when you live in a, in a bigger city, that there's all these thousands or millions of people and you're willingly choosing to ignore them. Like you're on the train and you ignore them and you go to a coffee shop mm-hmm. to be around, to be around people, but then you ignore them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't, I don't know if it's a, I don't know if it's a personality, like introvert, extrovert thing, or if it's a, a, a generational shift. Like my parents, whenever they travel somewhere, they always have stories of meeting people. Yeah. Just random people that they end up staying in touch with. And like, yeah. And, I occasionally have that experience, but not certainly not as often as they do. Mm-hmm. I think what was interesting about the article is it just felt like this subtle little switch that gets turned on or off inside of us. Like just this switch of like, I'm going to be open to the world as opposed to closed off to the world. Right. And for me, it's just, it's very subtle. Like, am I going to be closed off today or am I going to be open today? Yeah, it was it was interesting for me to think about that. Yesterday, I, I shared with you in Slack, which actually, by the way, I think this is another 
kind of helpful practice is if you're having uh, a shitty time emotionally to just share that with your team, whoever that is, if you have a team like that. But, you know, we just had a hard morning in the Jackson household, just nothing crazy, just like family drama, you know, you know, there's stuff going on. And I remember, you know, feeling just, I just wanted to be so closed off to the world, but I'd read this article. (laughs) And so I, I'm like, okay, well, I'm just, I'm going to get on my bike and I'm going to go downtown and I'm just going to try to open myself up. And I couldn't believe how quickly my mood changed from feeling almost like absolute despair for some reason right to oh no the world's okay it's also such a gift when you when you like force a smile on your face and like so like how are you today for someone else you know it it becomes a gift for them too it's something i've been thinking about yeah no it's it's i like that idea i mean there's certainly no point in closing yourself off when you're in when most of us are in cities with thousands of other people who probably want to interact with other people. Yes. Yeah. Do you think this is why one reason podcasts are so popular? <laughs> so we can close the world off? <laughs> well, so we can close the world off, but also feel like we're building a relationship with somebody. Yeah, maybe. It's like having a, I guess, a one-way conversation. But I think over the years, I've, I, I've personally fallen out of going to meetups. I mean, there's so many different meetups in the city now like way, way more than there were when uh, the group of us started Refresh Chicago, you know, I don't know how many years ago now that was, seven or eight or something. Yeah. I think I sort of started just overlooking them and, and just being overwhelmed and saying like, I don't know which one I should go to or or maybe I've already met enough people. I don't really feel like meeting more people. Mm-hmm. By the way, I just want to pause right there. I think that's called when you don't want to meet new people, I think you're at risk of a uh, relational churn. Relational churn. Because if you don't add more people to your life, it, naturally people are going to move away and become disconnected. Yeah, there's only there's only so much room at a given time for meaningful relationships, like a, mm-hmm. a number of meaningful relationships at a time. Yeah, I agree with that. But sa- same goes for me for um, running groups. Like I, I, I used to go to a lot of running groups, or one in particular – uh, maybe two different ones, like six six years ago, maybe mm-hmm. seven years ago, and then the groups changed, or the groups moved to a new location, or like it just uh, that one group stopped, and I never really reached out to find another one. But mm-hmm. um, you know, I met some cool people through that, and it's it's a way to I think reach people that are not they're in a lot of different you know different uh, industries, and they you know they all have one thing in common, which is running. But yeah. No, I, I think that is important. And I, I think you've identified something that happens to a lot of us, which is there's a period of time where we're investing a lot in that. And then it can be easy to just kind of let it. Yeah. And I certainly did a number of years ago. And like, I, there's really no reason to stop. I mean, mm-hmm. I, you know, I get, yeah, I get older, but there's really no reason for me to stop doing those things. Yeah. So what are you going to do? What What's, what's, I mean, it sounds like you're already, you, you started meeting up with the same group again, which is good. Uh, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know yet. I mean, maybe I'll look for some another running group. Cool. Well, I think it's good to check in on that. Let's also check in on our other sponsor, Active Campaign. I was on their site the other day, 
And they have uh, another blog post about how businesses can manage their sales leads. And they have five tips in particular. Uh, Learn everything you can about your ideal leads. I actually have a lot to say about that. Uh, Score your leads. Nurture over nature. I'll talk about that in a second. Master the handoff from marketing to sales and track everything to keep improving. And the the nurture versus nature was, I was kind of like, what are they talking about here? Uh, What they're talking about is you don't want to only field leads that are ready to buy right now. You want to turn any interested party into someone that wants to buy from you. And so you set up a, a nurture sequence, meaning maybe someone's not ready to start a podcast right now, but we could set up a sequence of emails that would help them understand, here's why podcasting is important, here's how it might help you, here's what it looks like. You basically open their mind to this idea of podcasting could be right for you. And then after that point, when they're kind of fully open to the idea, they become a lead. If you want to set up this type of funnel to nurture your leads, head over to activecampaign.com slash build your SaaS and start a free trial with that URL, you get a second month free, free migration, and two free one-on-ones. So we have a bunch of things we could talk about. I think let's give folks an update on our shape-up process so far. Uh, we had we had another call yesterday. Yeah, we did. So we're in what, week two of this now, building? Yeah. Uh, week, week two of six. I think we're still figuring out if it's going to work. I mean, we're we're obviously adapting it to our our needs and our schedule. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, we did. We had another call yesterday to sort of catch up to where we're at, um, what I've been working on. Mm-hmm. I did issue a couple different pull requests that got merged into our big master branch for this feature and actually put those on uh, our staging site. Yeah. <laughs> you, you, you ran through it and, and you were, you were, you know, you were kind of like, really excited and happy and amazed at where it was at already. Yeah. Yeah. To the to the point where you're where I think you said, Oh, I th- I think this is ready to launch. <laughs> and <laughs> me me having worked on it and knowing knowing the code I wrote. Yeah. Uh I was like, no, it's definitely not to me, to, to me, it looked like this beautiful polished thing, and and to you, it looked like th- this thing that was just being held together by duct tape. Yeah, I mean, it's you know maybe more than duct tape, but <laughs> a couple spots for sure. <laughs> I would think of it more as a prototype or proof of concept that is fully functional, but really has a lot of rough edges. Like, there's really we haven't done any copywriting. Yeah, I, I sort of just like through the interface together with elements we already had. There's really no onboarding for this new th- feature. Mm-hmm. Uh, we still haven't figured out pricing or who gets the feature or how they sign up for it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, there's still some unknowns. There's a lot of, yeah, there's a lot of testing behind the scenes to just make sure it's working the way we intended it to. I mean, to, I think part of my reaction is just my personality, but the other part of it is a testament to the shaping work. Because because we were both working on that shaping together and we were both on the same page about this is what it looks like, we had asked some hard questions about the flow. We had gone back a couple times and revised some things. Seeing what you put together, it just felt like this is it. This is exactly. Well, yeah, I mean, I think it it is turning out to be pretty much exactly what we talked about. Yeah, because we had a good outline, we had a good 
uh, we had a good document to work off of. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I think that that part was exciting, and it 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 also immediately because part of the shaping process is saying what appetite, what do we have an appetite for, and for me that's all related to what is really going to help customers. Like, what are com- customers so hungry for that, like, if we don't make it for them, they're going to go somewhere else, right? And when I saw it kind of live in the flesh, I was just like, this is it. Like, this is exactly what people have been asking for. This is what they, this is what they want. And it was so exciting to see, you know, to be kind of, you, you're always getting hit with these people that are looking for solutions. And then to have the solution right in front of me, I was just, my immediate response is like, let's just get this out. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And mine is, no, 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 let's wait. Like, I, you know, I, I'm i excited about it too, I, but I, I would not want to get it out at, at this stage because we would then have to support it. It might not be exactly what it will end up being. Mm-hmm. We might have to go back on some things that we already released. Customers would get upset. We'd have to support it. Customers are going to, I, I, you know, I think we both know that customers, once they see this, will probably start requesting other stuff right away. Yeah. It, that might detract us from, you know, other improvements we could make on what we already have. So, yeah, I, I you know, I, I think it's in a good spot, but having four more weeks to really polish it, I think will be. Yeah, I agree. Will be really beneficial and it, and it will end up being a thing that we can launch and announce and, and feel really good about. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. This is by the way, the central tension of our relationship, <laughs> which, I th- which I think is actually healthy, which is, you know, my inclination is always like, Oh my God, this is it. Let's get this out. And your inclination is like, no, no, let's slow down. Let's think through this. Let's. Um, and uh, I think actually most teams do need both. The, the other thing I've liked about this process is so much of it is focused on what unknowns do we have. So we just have this, this in Clubhouse, we have these stories that are just like, we have four unknowns right now. And the question is always like, we're working, we're in week two of six. Are we answering these unknowns, right? Are we, and that's probably what a lot of our calls in the future weeks are going to be about is. Yeah, it's, yeah. Are we getting these done, right? Turning these unknowns into a research step and then either figuring it out or saying, we can't do this or mm-hmm. it's, it's not like, let's not do this in this, in this um, six week cycle. Yes. Yeah. It, and it also, I think for teams that uh, you, you joked, like this is a, a well-known thing in software development that the last 10% takes you 90% of the time. Yeah. And I think that's true because it's only in the last 10% that you start to tackle these unknowns. Like, oh, wait, what are we going to price this at? Yeah. Or some cracks start showing and you're like, oh, we got to, got if that's, you know, maybe we overlooked that. Let's look, look at that again. Mm-hmm. But I think having, you know, you wanting to release this stuff quickly and me saying, let's wait a bit. I think having the six week time frame is really going to be beneficial for that because it would be really, I think it'd probably be really easy for us to 
to just keep pushing it off and mm-hmm. saying, ah, oh, it's not ready. It's not ready. It's not ready. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or, you know, we'll end up in 10, 12 weeks instead of six. And then. Yeah. Totally. So having that six week cutoff, I think will be great because we'll, we'll get to a point where we'll know exactly what's going to be in it for that six weeks. We'll, you know, cut things out that don't need, you know, that won't fit. Um, maybe we'll add some things in if we have extra time. It's, it's hard to say, but. Yeah, no, I've, I, yeah, I totally agree. And I, I mean, if you, honestly, if we look at the marketing site project, um, which I'm really starting to like, I just want to get that thing out, but I can see the advantage of shaping now because I just got started on it, which is fine. Like that's a, that's a, that can be a noble trait, but the, when you really have time to think things through yeah, and, and say, okay, we're going to start here. We're going to end here. And in terms of scope, it really helps you say, okay, if maybe we can't get, for example, with a marketing site, maybe we can't get everything done, but we could get this to the point where we could launch it and feel like it's better than what we have. And then we can go back to the betting table and decide what we're going to do next with it. Yeah, I think there's there is something about this sh- shaping work that I can see ends up being more beneficial because then projects can just go forever. Yeah, the, yeah, the marketing site's been going for a while. I mean, we haven't really focused on it full time, but maybe maybe that'll end up being a, a two week cycle, and we can actually shape it and work on it together for two weeks and yeah, and get it out. Yeah, or get it out and then and then have a you know then we can have another cycle, two week cycle, and and actually like revise it or yeah it just sucks because i've been like holding off i haven't been writing anything new because i'm just waiting for the new the new site and i'm like itching to like oh i got i want i've got some stuff i want to write about but (laughs) the other thing maybe we could touch on is how how has this made you feel i i don't think feel like we're perfect yet on this but in terms of kind of temporarily ignoring requests do you think this is helping or? I, th- I think so. Yeah. I mean, we, I think we keep telling people, you know, if, if a customer requests something, we'll tell them, oh, well, we've, you know, we've thought about that. We're currently working on something and we'll think about it for a, you know, a work cycle down the road. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't think we've had any necessary blowback on that. No. I- obviously, obviously, you know, in, in the last couple of weeks too, we've, we've still fixed bugs and things that have come up. Yeah. As they've needed to, but and I was also trying to figure out because I think one of the open questions about that people have been asking is how do you track ideas? Like how do you track requests? And you know, it seems like the message from Basecamp is is oh, we just keep them in our mind or whatever. But I was thinking about that. I was like, because they have these cool down periods where it's like two weeks of they just call it. Where oh, uh, where people can freelance within the company and just kind of go around and like pick up things that need to get done. Yeah, but I'm always like, well, where do they go? Like, how do they know that something they're picking up is even a thing? Right? As we as I'm answering customer support, I'm seeing these things and I'm like, oh, like I just, <laughs> I I just want to put that somewhere, but I don't want to put it in Clubhouse because then it becomes this task and. When Jason said that like the tools matter and the setup of your project kind of matters, that really resonated with me because I I realized, yeah, like as soon as it becomes a task in Clubhouse, 
ah, like I don't want that. It become does it become like a burden that you think about or what? Yeah, well, yeah. Don't, don't you think so? Like as soon as it's a task yeah. there, and it's even even if it's just sitting in one of those columns, like unscheduled or whatever, it's like ah, mm. like this is. Yeah, and we still have a lot. We we have a lot of those. <laughs> yes, and and they're just kind of always there, hanging around. Mm-hmm. And so I said, okay, I'm just going to start throwing these in a Google Doc because then it's not in our project management software. It's just, you know, it's just somewhere else. We don't have to think about it. But if we get to a two-week cycle where we're saying, okay, we're just going to freelance in the company. We're just going to kind of walk around and pick up a few little things. There's a a spot to go and go, oh, yeah, this looks interesting. I'm just going to, I'll pull this into Clubhouse right now. Mm -hmm. So... Yeah, what do you think about that approach of just putting in a doc versus Clubhouse? I like it. I mean, you could still get, I don't know if we lose it because we don't really use it, but you lose some ability to discuss particular topics. But mm-hmm. if, they're just, if they're just sitting in a list of ideas, there's not really much discussion that needs to happen until we actually choose to work on it and make it an idea. And then we can mm-hmm. discuss it, we can shape it, we can talk about it, we can make stories in clubhouse and then discuss more in those. So yeah, as long as it's, I think I like it as long as it's, you know, as long as we don't forget about it, as long as we don't keep adding to it and adding to it with enough detail that we don't forget what that idea was. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like I think, I think you, you just add a, a kind of a little title description and a little bit of text to kind of say what it is and maybe link to mm-hmm. a help ticket or something. Yeah. Yeah, sorry, and you think that's not enough detail, or that's okay? I, I, no, I, I think it is. Yeah. yeah, I think it is, yeah. Uh, interestingly, Clubhouse just released a document feature that I need to look into. They've got, yeah, yeah, that, that seems pretty cool. Yeah, I got to I gotta check that out. Yeah, anything else about the shaping process so far? I, I know a lot of people are trying this out right now in the software bootstrapping community. Uh, one thing Tyler Tringus said on Twitter that I thought was also uh, interesting is uh, Ben uh, Ornstein requested something really small, and I was able to just go and fix it really quick. And Tyler was like, oh, man. He's like, I hope people keep doing those kind of like quick fixes and don't get too addicted to shape up in the sense of like, no, we only do like you know <laughs> what's in our six-week cycle. Yeah. Uh, which I think is a fair criticism. If you get too crazy about it, it's like no, no, you, you, you can still delight people by doing a little thing here. It's not like yeah, yeah, we've still done some of that. We've definitely rolled out some fixes and small, small updates even within the last two to three weeks. Yeah, totally cool. Uh, I'm trying to think. I don't think we've got some other topics, but I think we could we could talk about those another time because we're just yeah. about forty minutes here. Uh, we have a new Patreon this week. You want to tell folks? We do. You're right. Yeah. Thanks as always to all our supporters. Um, we have Travis Fisher, who's new. That's right. Uh, Matt Buckley from NiceThings.io, Russell Brown, Evandro Sassy, Pradyumna Schembecker, Noah Prail, David Colgan, Robert Simplicio, Colin Gray from Elitu.com. Josh Smith, Ivan Krakovic, Brian Ray, Miguel Pedrofita, Shane Smith, Austin Loveless, Simon Bennett, 
Corey Haynes, Michael Sitver, Paul Jarvis, and Jack Ellis, Dan Buddha, my brother. DanBuddha.com. Darby Frey, Samori Augusto, Dave Young, Brad from Canada, Sammy Schuchert, Mike Walker, Adam Devander, Dave Junta. Junta. Kyle Fox from GetRewardful.com. And our sponsors this week, Honey Badger and Active Campaign. One interesting thing about our Patreons, I, I might be wrong about this, but I think uh, Chicago is very represented, Canada is very represented, and Germany is very represented. Big in Germany. Yeah. I, I could be wrong about that, but there's just a lot of names here that I recognize as German. Although Spain, because Pijafita. Yeah, we need to get all these folks to... If you're one of our Patreon supporters, just let us know where you're from. I want to test this out. Speaking of Miguel, uh, Pedro Fita, I think he... You tweeted something yesterday about us. You were excited about the thing we were working on and that I showed you (laughs) and didn't give any details. And he asked if we were making a bread slicer, (laughs) which I thought was funny, but we're not not making a bread slicer. (laughs) We should, though. Although I could use one. Yeah. For your sourdough. Yeah. Is that is that is that uh, bad bad uh, bad sourdough game if you use a bread slicer? Like, are you supposed to slice it one at a time, or is it okay? It would be great if I if I had a you know, like a commercial bread slicer. You slice the whole loaf at once. That'd oh, great! Okay, that's our next Patreon goal. <laughs> <laughs> Get John a commercial bread slicer. Yeah. How big are they? Do you think you could fit one in your house? Probably not. They're huge. I'd just throw away your TV. They're pretty big. Yeah, right. (laughs) All right, folks. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next week. Transistor.fm. Podcast hosting is provided by Transistor.fm. They host our MP3 files, generate our RSS feed, provide us with analytics, and help us distribute the show to Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and more. If you want to start your own podcast or you want to switch to Transistor, go to Transistor.fm slash Justin and get 15% off your first year.